0: to the teaching on Holy Invasion. Uh, Before I get into what I'm going to be talking about today, I just want to say that uh, part of this teaching is going to be talking about how important spiritual care is to the whole healing process and how the soul is directly connected to the mind and the body and the spirit. And so as I get further into the teaching, I'm really going to be focused on spiritual care. But I'm also gonna be talking some about doctors, medications, psychiatrists, and counselors. I wanna say in the very beginning, uh, before I get into all this, that at Spiritual Care Consultants, we never encourage patients to get off their medications. We encourage them if they feel they don't need their medications to go to their doctor and work with their doctor on the medications piece of that because we're just here to help with the spiritual And we know that the spiritual impacts every area of our lives. And so when people get better spiritually, they will get better uh, physically, mentally, and emotionally. One of the scriptures I want to look at today as we get started is Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, which says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Now, I want to stop right there. That word Christ really is means anointed one or the anointing. Not laying again the foundations of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God, instructions about rites, the laying on of hands, and the resurrection dead and eternal judgment. I just want to say that really holy invasion really today as you listen to this is going to be a very basic teaching. So in other words, really it's something that we all ought to understand and yet You know, as we grow in our walks with the Lord, sometimes some of the most simple things are the things that we tend to overlook. And yet, uh, some of the most simple things are the things that tend to have the most impact on our life or that can be the most revolutionary. Now, uh, referring back to what I just talked about, the doctors and healing and medications, you know, Jesus, when he healed the lepers, always sent them back to the priest, which was the equivalent of the medical community today. Why did he do that? To get it confirmed that they truly were healed. Listen to Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now, that, that could have been the end of the story right there, and Jesus could have told him just to go home. But he didn't. He went on. Verse 14 says, Then Jesus ordered him, Don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded your cleansing, as a testimony to them so you see when you truly get healed or you've truly had a transformation the medical field should be able to confirm your healing and then it becomes an even more awesome testimony for the glory of god and i just want to say how thankful we are for counselors mental health workers psychiatrists and those that work in the field of healing those that work hard day in and day out to help people now I remember at the beginning of spiritual care consultants, one of the things I didn't want to do that is I didn't want to do counseling. I My background, if you've listened to other teachings, I will share this again. My background, I've got nine years in the senior pastor, i got pastorate, I've got se- uh, several years with healing ministry, over 15 years of trauma and emergency. And one of the things I didn't want to do, and I spent a lot of time as a chaplain, That's what I meant by trauma and emergency. One of the things that I really didn't want to do is get into counseling or healing ministry again. And one of the reasons I felt that way is that um, not that counseling and healing ministries weren't helping people, but um, I didn't see the fruit that I wanted to see. And so when spiritual care was kind of born around a Bible study uh, in September 2007, I said, Lord, I'll make you a deal. The Bible says in Isaiah 9-6 that you are the mighty counselor and the prince of peace. So Jesus, if you will show up when I'm in the room with those patients and when our consultants are ministering to patients, if you will show up and bring peace in the midst of unrest, in the midst of unpeaceful situations, then we can do this thing. Because you see, um, I know for a fact that I cannot heal the soul. Only Jesus can heal the soul. And only the presence of Christ, really the holy invasion that we need to see today, is the holy invasion of the presence of Christ in our hearts. Our souls needed to be, need to be flood with the presence of Jesus. When we are filled with him, and his presence touches our souls, true healing begins to come, healing that are, it is lasting. And I know that only Jesus can heal the soul. Psalms 139 verse 13 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You know, we are made. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is active and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit joints and marrow and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart even the bible makes it distinguish between it distinguishes between the soul and the spirit then again it says in third john verse 2 it says i pray that you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul is getting along well and if your soul isn't doing well, you're not doing well. You see, the soul is the seat of the intellect, will, and emotions. So if you're not doing well in your soul, you're not doing well at all. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You might have to say, what does all this have to do with the holy invasion? I will be getting that to, I'll be getting to that in a minute. But first, I want to lay a foundation for the need for a holy invasion and why it is so critical in seeing healing and transformation. Now, let's talk a minute uh, for about the connection between uh, the soul and the mind and the body. You see, it's kind of like this. The soul is the seat of the intellect, will, and emotions. So, it kind of goes down like this in life we experience hurtful events those hurtful events stick in our souls like slivers from a piece of wood into our finger now if you get a big old sliver in your finger and you don't treat it it's going to get infected and then if you still don't treat it it's going to affect your finger your hand your arm and eventually that infection is going to spread up the arm to the heart and be really deadly to you as an individual. It's the same way in our souls. The events in life that hurt us and wound us are like slivers that stick in our souls. Those events, if we don't get healing for them, they begin to fester. What does festering mean? Well, you begin to get unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, rage, hatred, those things begin to become like an infection in your soul and the bible says we are to be careful that a bitter root doesn't spring up and defile many so what happens then once our soul starts to get bitter and infected the first thing affected is our minds so then we become to we become to struggle with anxiety and depression and then our minds are filled with all kinds of thoughts that we can't control. So what is the one of the first things that we do? Then we go to the doctor. And what does the doctor do? The doctor puts us on a medication. And then we go home and see if that works. And if that medication doesn't seem to be enough for us, we go back to the doctor. And he puts us on another medication. Now remember I said this in the beginning, that there's nothing wrong with the medication. Because meds help people cope. They help people function in day-to-day life, but they become like a band-aid because the true issue is stemming out of the soul. So in other words, what happens in a person's life, they only get so far in the healing process and and it's like they can't progress beyond that point because in order for them to get true, complete healing, they need spiritual care. Which is a crucial part of the healing process. And so it truly is. Uh we are we are like practitioners of the soul. And now there's only one bomb for the soul in my opinion, and that is the presence of Jesus Christ. We need the presence of Jesus Christ to flood our souls, to heal our wounds, to take care of that infection that's down deep in the soul. Jeremiah eight twenty two says Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? One of the names of God is that he is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And one of the uh, meanings of Jehovah Rapha is like the great physician. And I know no other way to truly heal the soul than to go to the great physician himself, to expect him to show up know, we have got to be conduits through which the power of God flows because when that happens, when we work with people and his presence shows up, then true lasting healing and change begins to happen. The first holy invasion really began when Jesus came to earth. John 1 verse 1 verse 4 and 14 says, in the beginning was the word And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 4 says, "In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. Now one version says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And I really like that version. I believe that's King James. Verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one, the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came and brought life, light, health, healing, peace, and hope in the midst of darkness. And a lot of people, even when Jesus walked the earth, did not understand it. Isaiah 61 verses 1-2 through, 2, through 2, talk about the type of ministry that a holy invasion would bring. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and the release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. What an awesome thing that Jesus came to do. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus came to bind up the wounded soul to set the one who is at prison in his soul free. Jesus came to heal you, to set you free, and put your feet upon the rock. You know the amazing thing about Jesus was that he fulfilled all the messianic prophecies. Someone talked about what were the odds of that happening by chance. And the odds are this. Fill the state of Texas three feet deep with silver dollars. Paint one of them red. Shake it all up put a blindfold on a person, and then the first time they go in the, into the silver dollars at random, they have to come out with that one red silver dollars. The odds are astronomical. You say, why are you bringing that up? Well, you know what? Jesus just just wasn't a good man. He just wasn't a prophet. He just wasn't a teacher. He was God the Son who came in the flesh, who came to heal us, set us free, And then there was one named John who came, and he prepared the way, and he pointed when he saw Jesus coming down into the water, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And then after he said that, John was ministering out in the desert, and Herod had him thrown in prison. And like any of us, you know, there are sometimes we doubt, we doubt really, um, what We've heard the Lord say to us, and sometimes we want a confirmation. And it was John's disciples who went to Jesus and asked Jesus to really confirm who he was. And here's what it says in Matthew 11, verses 4 through 5. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. This is the power of the holy invasion. Why was Jesus saying these words for them to take back to John? It was because he was quoting Isaiah 35, verses 5 through 6, which says, Then will the eyes of the blind be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue will shout for joy. And water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. You see, there's just a lot of people that don't understand that when John walked the earth, he didn't have all the scriptures that we had today. He had what was passed down in oral tradition. He had not the Bible like we have it today. So Jesus was quoting from the prophet Isaiah, which John knew full well. There are so many people today who are troubled in their minds, their souls, their bodies, and their spirits. They are in desperate need of a holy invasion of the presence of heaven to flood their soul. Luke chapter 6 verses 17 through 19 says, He went down to them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, in Jerusalem and from the coastal regions of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him, and he healed their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from him, and he healed all of them. That power is the Greek word dunamis, which means dynamite, like you shall receive power from the book of Acts. And he healed those who are troubled. And people that have soul wounds and have opened the door to the enemy in many ways have found that they are troubled in their mind, their will, and their emotions. And we are in desperate need of a holy invasion. A holy invasion is absolutely critical if we are going to see true healing that transforms the hearts and lives of people and knowing how to set the stage for that but before we go down into that far into the teaching I want to talk about some biblical examples where a holy invasion took place I want to look at how the presence of Jesus showed up to those who were ministering and those that were in need the first scripture I want to look at is Matthew 8 verses 14 through 17 when Jesus came to Peter's house he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities, and he bore our diseases. Now I just want to make sure I make it absolutely clear here that I'm not saying that if you have a physical sickness, that every physical sickness is because of a soul wound or an open door. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that spirituality and spiritual care is an absolute vital part in the healing process, and if you leave it out, you cannot truly come into full, complete healing without it. In many sicknesses and many diseases, are a direct result of soul wounds and open doors that have been left to fester for years and years and years. And in Matthew 8 here, we see a lot of spiritual things happening as Jesus are ministering, and he addresses those things, and he heals people. The second scripture is Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 48. So it was, when Jesus returned, the multitude welcomed him. For they were all waiting for him. And behold, there was a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about twelve of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitude thronged him. Now here's a scripture that I want us to zone in on. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any of them, came and behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately blood flowed and was stopped. The flow of blood was stopped. That's what she was dealing with, guys. She was dealing with bleeding and an issue of blood. And Jesus said, Who touched me when all denied it? Peter, And those with him said, Master, the multitudes are thronging and pressing you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceive power has gone out of me. Now that word power is the Greek word dunamis, or that's the word dunamis, the same as dynamite, like the power in Acts chapter 2 and the presence that showed up on the day of Pentecost in the upper room experienced the holy invasion. Verse 47, Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and fell down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him, and how she had been healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. What an amazing story. When she touched Jesus she experienced a holy invasion of his presence and she was healed. Luke chapter 13 verses 10 through 13. On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in a synagogue and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Did you hear that in that verse? She had been crippled by a spirit. This was a spiritual issue. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her he called to her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. When he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Immediately when he put his hands on her, she was healed. And yet it says in Hebrews that the laying out of hands is an elementary teaching in the Christian faith. And we need to remember that spiritual care is very important. You see, when this woman with, who, who had a spear for 18 years, when Jesus touched her the minute he did, she experienced a holy invasion in her body, in her soul, in her mind, her will, and her emotions. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16 says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders amongst the people and all of the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number, and as a result the people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by and healed them. The crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. What was going on here? I'll share with you what was going on here. Peter had learned a very important lesson. He learned how to set the stage for a holy invasion no matter where he went. So wherever Jesus went, people were healed, people were set I mean Peter wherever Peter went people were healed and set free by the presence of Christ that's exactly what Jesus did when he walked the earth when he walked the earth he preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand and people were drawn to him and people were healed and set free what's the kingdom it's the presence and power of heaven it's the tangible atmosphere of heaven it's the peace the joy and the love and the healing in the Holy Spirit and when people were around him they were drawn to that. Acts chapter eight verses four through four through eight says Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down in the city in Samaria and preached the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip, they saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and pure spirits came out of many And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. You see, when people are healed and people are set free, it brings great joy not only to individuals and families, but it brings great joy to entire communities. Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 16 is the story of Saul's conversion i am not going to read that entire scripture at this time but i'm going to say this saul was a man who was a pharisee of the pharisees who would later be named paul saul was going to Damascus to get letters to get permission to bring several more christians back to be persecuted and executed for serving the lord he honestly thought he was doing god a favor and i have to believe that someone had been praying for saul Because when he was on the road to Damascus going to get those letters, a bright light shone from heaven. He was knocked off the horse that he was riding on, fell to the ground, and was blind and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And that was the moment that Saul began to experience a holy invasion, and yet, at the same time, there was another man named Ananias that God appeared to in a vision, and God spoke to Ananias and told him to go lay hands on Brother Saul and that he would receive his sight. Of course, Ananias had a little bit of a argument with the Lord over that, telling the Lord how dangerous this man was, but God said that Saul was his chosen instrument, and then uh, also at that same moment, Saul also had a vision, and he saw Ananias coming to him to lay hands on him, and when Ananias did, Saul received his sight and became a believer in Jesus as Messiah, and as a result of this holy invasion that he experienced on the road to Damascus, and when Ananias laid hands on him, He became a mighty, mighty mighty vessel and God used him to write three quarters of the New Testament. What, What a great thing it is when we see God invade a person's life and there becomes such a transformation that it doesn't stop with that person, but he transforms many other people. It is like a pebble in the pond and the results just keep going on and on and on. Now I want to look at Acts chapter 12 verses one through seventeen, which is all about Peter's miraculous escape from prison. I want to take out some of the key points that are in this scripture because I really it'll help I really believe it'll help you build your faith. and that's one of the reasons I talk about these biblical examples of a holy invasion and what happened because you see, the way God worked in the book of Acts is the way he works today. Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 17 says it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. He also saw that this meant the approval amongst the Jews. He also proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Festival of unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of soldiers each. Wow, that is a lot of guards for one person. Herod, I mean, Peter must have had a reputation. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So he kept Peter in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for God for him. Now listen, the church was in prayer believing God for a miracle. Keep that in the back of your mind. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound between two chains and two sentries stood guard at the entrance. Now, it's interesting here that Peter could sleep even knowing that the next day Herod intended to put him to death. You know why Peter could sleep? Because he had a prophetic word that when he was old, he would be led around by the hand, so he knew it wasn't his time to die. Going on, verse 7, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Isn't it interesting? When a holy invasion happens of the presence of God, just as chains fall off in the natural, chains will fall off in the spiritual. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that the what the angel was doing, that it was really, really happening to him. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards, and they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them all by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, Suddenly, the angel left him. Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches, and from everything that the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had been gathered praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and the servant girl named Rhoda came to the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. Now this is interesting. The church is praying for a miracle, and yet they have doubts that they're going to see the very miracle they're praying for. And when Peter is let out of prison, they're astonished. When she kept on on insisting, so they said, It must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him, and they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, and he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Why did Peter tell a story? Well, you know, the word testimony in the Greek is, Do it again, Lord. But you know what? We grow in our faith by other people's testimonies. Then he said, Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. Then he left for another place. Wow, the church was praying, and they saw a great and mighty miracle and a holy invasion, even though they had doubts. Now, there are a couple of key points that I want to talk about right here that could really hinder you from seeing a holy invasion. And that first key point is found in Mark chapter 6, verses 5-6, which is talking about Jesus, where it said that he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. You know, we live in a world today where there's a lot of faith, and not faith, but there is a lot of faith, but there's also a lot of doubt and unbelief. Now, if you're one that struggles in your faith, you struggle with doubt, you struggle with unbelief, just pray this simple prayer, Lord, help my unbelief. Go to the book of Acts and read about the miracles. Read about what Jesus did. You know that this did not just die out with the apostles and, the, and what happened in the book of Acts. Miracles and healings are still going on today. Holy invasions are still taking place. Malachi 3, 6, verse, uh, just the first part of the verse says, I, the Lord, do not change. Then Hebrews thirteen eight says, Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. You know, if he is the same like he says he is, yesterday, today, and forever, then the word of God has not changed. Then he is still doing what he did in the book of Acts. The only thing that has stopped in the Bible is animal sacrifice for the atonement of sins because Jesus came as God in the flesh and did the the final atonement for our sins. But the miracles and the healings and the holy invasions are still going on and are for today. Now I want to talk about some personal experiences where I have actually witnessed the holy in- invasion myself. Now some of the stories I'm going to be talking about, I want to make it abundantly clear that I'm not telling any stories from spiritual care. I'm not telling any stories from anywhere that I'm presently working These are stories that are coming out of years ago in the past, so I want to make that clear so no one thinks I'm talking about you if you're listening to this tape, because I'm not, because the stories are changed and the names have changed and nothing, the only only thing that is true is the essence of the story to talk about the holy invasion. You know, when I was a young boy, I first began to experience a holy invasion and I didn't realize it. You know, I want to say a lot of times a holy invasion is going on and you may not even realize it. That one is happening. And I think sometimes we don't realize it because we're just not sensitive to it. And when I was a young boy, I would would go out to the field and read my Bible and I could really sense and feel the presence of God. and, And God was really real to me and God began to call me to serve him. And I didn't understand it all back then, but I was beginning to experience a holy invasion. And I have had a number of holy invasions in my life that I've experienced throughout my life. But I just want to say this, that as you listen to these, I don't want you to think I'm anyone special. I'm just a normal, ordinary person. I have shortcomings and weaknesses, and even at times doubts, and yet God still shows up. He still ministers. He still moves. He still invades with his presence. And I'm so glad that we don't have to be perfect to be used by God. When I was growing up, one of the first holy invasions that I experienced in my life, when I was a young man, I had just uh, rededicated my life to the Lord in 1984. And um I, um, I had decided that I would say yes to the call to the ministry. I was in a full gospel businessmen's meeting, and I had a leather jacket on, and I had hair down to my shoulders, which I don't have hair that long no more. So I didn't really look like someone that was going to go into the ministry, and I had it was my first time in a full gospel businessmen's meeting, so the speaker up front was from a whole different state. He didn't know me, and so I didn't know that day that little did I know that I was about to experience a holy invasion. And the speaker said that we got somebody special here today. The Lord has showed me this as I've been praying, he said. And then he points to me and he said, Young man, you come here. And I looked around because I honestly got it. I thought he was talking to someone else, not me. He goes, Yeah, you. And he stood me up front and he said, Anoint his head with oil. And I thought, Why anoint me with oil? I'm not sick. And he looked at me and he got his wife to stand behind me. He said, Young man. The Lord has showed me who you are and that he has called you to the ministry. And he began to speak to me and pray over me. And I felt such a powerful presence of the Lord that I just collapsed to the floor. I couldn't stand under the weight of his presence of God. See, the Hebrew word for the glory of God is the word kabod, which is a heaviness or a weight. And I felt that overwhelming sense of presence of God flooding my soul, flooding my life as I lay there on the floor as people prayed over me. And every word that that guy said that day has come to pass. And I want you to know he didn't say anything outside of the word of God. Everything he said lined up with the scripture. That was one of the first times of a major holy invasion of my life that I personally experienced myself. Then when I was in Bible college up in Sussex, New Brunswick, Canada, I used to, I had a bus route and I used to do rounds in a trailer park and invite people to church. And you might say, what does this have uh, to do with a holy invasion? Well, it has everything to do with it because sometimes God is setting you up for a holy invasion and uh, you're not aware of it and you're not even aware that one is going on. And there was this one trailer that I always wanted to go into but it had a big pit bull by the door and I just don't like dogs that are mean and I maybe was kind of naive back then and that should have been my first clue that that may have been kind of a rough house to go into well one day as I was praying walking through the trailer park praying for my opportunity to go in that trailer a little a young girl come out ran by the door ran by the dog and came up to me and said hey my mommy would like to talk to you and I said well I'm kind of afraid of your dog. Would you go in and bring your mommy out? So she went in the house and brought her mom out. She goes, mommy, mommy, look who I found in the yard. And uh, the mom said to me, "Uh, who are you? I said, I'm Gail. I go to the Bible college. She goes, oh, a preacher. Come on in the house. And I was like, well, would you please hold the dog first? Because uh, I don't like dogs. I'm afraid of the dog. So she said, once you get in the house, you'll be all right. And so she held the dog. I went in the house and That dog was so heavy when he walked through the house, he shook the home. He shook the trailer floor. And then I got in the house, and I knew I was in quite a rough place because everybody was drinking and smoking. We were sitting around a table, five, six people. And she goes, look, I found a preacher. You want a beer, preacher? I said, no, I don't drink. She said, do you think you're better than us? I said, no. I said, the Bible says no drunkard will enter the kingdom of heaven. Then I thought, oh my goodness, what did I just say? You know, because I'm by myself. I'm in a very rough situation. Then she looked at me and said, "Um, would you like a milk? I said, that would be great. And you know, uh, she told me later that if I'd have said, yes, I would have liked that beer, she said, you would have lost your witness because we would have said, you're just like us. And so I'm glad I stood up for myself and stood up for what I felt the Holy Spirit wanted. But as I sat at that table, the guide beside me, which was the owner of the house, said, I pray today that Jesus would send me someone, that God would send me someone to tell me about the Lord, and here you are. So so he said to the people at the table, if you don't want to hear what this man has to say, you can go to the other room. And immediately three people got up and went to the other room. And for the next two hours, I shared. I'll call this man Jason. I shared with Jason about Jesus. And at the end, I said, would you like to accept Jesus? And he said, no, but you can come back and share more with me. So I spent seven different trips back to this man's house. And every time I did, I had to yell about 15 15 feet from the door because I was still afraid of the dog. And he would hold the dog and let me in and On my seventh trip there I I shared another two hours about Jesus and at the end of that I said would you like Christ and he said yes I would and he bowed his head and he prayed to receive Jesus and his girlfriend was looking at me really with angry angry eyes. I could tell she did not appreciate him accepting the Lord and then after he accepted the Lord he looked up and he said didn't I tell you that I am a very, very bad man? Now, he said, now, if you don't like that I've accepted the Lord, you can go home to your mother. And uh, so then um, he looked at me and he said, do you know who I am? And I said, I have no clue who you are. He said, I'm the biggest drug dealer in this area. And he said, the other guy at the table, uh, his name is Jasper. He's a pimp from Toronto. And, and he goes, I have not made an honest living for years. I've made my living through selling drugs. And so I hooked him up with the Salvation Army Church, and he began to attend church. But I said to him, I said, why did you listen to me? Why did you even let me in the house? He said, you don't know? I said, what is it that I don't know? He said, when you came in our home, you had a power we weren't familiar with. Because when you came in, there were angels with you. And every time you came in, We could see the angels and we knew that we had to listen to what you had to say. You know, the important point of this story is simply this. I had no idea that a holy invasion was taking place when I was out there ministering. Just out there by faith doing what I felt the Lord called me to do, not based on feelings, not based on anything, and little did I know that there was a holy invasion going on all around me. Now I want to share another story. This was about a young lady when I was younger in my ministry who had been in intensive care. She had been in an auto accident and had a really bad problem with her lungs and they didn't think that she was going to make it. She was on a ventilator, but she had a really uh, clear mind so, so she could understand and hear and she could motion with her arms and everything and One of the days when I was walking through the intensive care ward, this young lady motioned to me, now this is not a place that's in Hastings, so you can kind of put that to rest right now, and she motioned for me to come into the room and I shared with her that I was a pastor and I asked her if she'd like a prayer. She shook her head yes. Now, she, at that time, she wasn't a part of my church, but she wanted prayer and I showed her what anointing all was, asked her if she wanted to be anointed and she shook her head yes. So I would anoint her and I would pray for her and then I would leave. Well, every time I came through there a couple times a week, she would always motion for me to come in, um, come in the, in the room. This happened for about a month to so one day I saw that she was gone. And in my great faith, I thought one of two things had happened. Either she had been healed and gone to a rehab, or I thought she's uh, either uh, either maybe she passed away. I didn't know. And I just kind of went on. You know, I learned a long time ago that I was a conduit not to worry about results. But one day as I was in my office and I was just reading the word of God, there was a knock at the door and I opened it. There was a young lady standing in front of me. She goes, "Do you remember who I am?" And I looked looked at her, and I realized that from her neck that she had been one that had been in intensive care because of the trach mark. I said, "Are you that girl that I anointed so many times? I swear you are covered with oil." And she goes, "That's me." She said, "Boy, I'm so grateful that you came to pray for me." And I said, uh, "Well, thank you." I said, "Give all the glory to Jesus." And she said, uh, do you know what would happen when you would come into my room? I And I said, no, I didn't sense anything. She said, you would come in and you had angels with you, and then you would come in and pray for me and leave, and they would stay and minister to me. That's why I wanted you to come to my room. And I went, oh, my God, there was a holy invasion going on, and I didn't even realize that it was happening. And she said, that's why I wanted you to come. And I said, young lady, I said, I want you to give all the glory to Jesus Christ because I said he was the one that healed you. He was the one that set you free. You see, when you experience a holy invasion from heaven, one of the things you've got to be really careful to do is to point people to the cross, point them to Jesus Christ because you know what? I have had many times when I've ministered to people and they've experienced the holy invasion and they didn't even know the Lord and through the holy invasion they came to know the Lord. So be careful that when you're ministering and ministering to people and a holy invasion takes place that you do point them to Jesus Christ. The next story is really about two stories in one because I can't tell the story without talking about both people at once because both miracles both holy invasions were connected. Um, I had uh, I had been asked to go visit a gentleman that was in an intensive care unit and uh, he was told that he would never get out of there alive because he practically had no heart left and he was on a ventilator and the, basically the daughter was told to preparing for death, to really get prepared for death because it looked like he was gonna die. And so the day I walked into the intensive care ward uh, I was talking to his daughter, and I, I'll i call her or Jackie right now, and I, I said, Jackie, what's going on? And she began to share with me that her dad didn't have any heart left. that looked like he was going to die. They said he would never get off the ventilator, and um, she asked me if I would have prayer for her father, and I said, well, absolutely. And, I said, though, I'm Protestant. Is that okay? Because you know a lot of times you want to be sensitive because if someone doesn't go to the same church you go to, uh, they might not really want you to pray for them. You know, They might want somebody from their own background, their own denomination. And she said, no, I'm good with that. And I said, well, I don't know if you know about anointing with oil, but I believe in anointing with oil. Is this okay with you? And she said, yeah, this is fine with me. So, so what I did is... Um, Once again, here's one of these stories where I'm not expecting a holy invasion and one of these stories where I'm really going to be surprised by God. And so I reached over and I anointed her father with oil. And then I did something I normally don't do. I stuck my hand out and laid it right in the middle of his chest as he was laying in bed. Now he he was kind of out of it, not consciously aware of what I was doing. And his daughter kind of did the same thing. She laid her hand out and she put her hand on top of my hand. And then she exclaimed, oh my God do you feel the heat and there was like this searing heat going into this man's chest and I just stood there and you could really feel the presence of God and I knew that a holy invasion was taking place as we were praying I didn't know what the results uh, were gonna be because of the prayer because you see I learned a long time ago that the Lord spoke to me and would say to me you're just a conduit don't worry about results you just pray and let me do the rest and so I prayed for him and then I was scheduled to come back the next week. Well, an amazing thing happened. Over the next two weeks, this guy got miraculously better. He got off the ventilator, was setting up talking. Now, I'm going to tell the rest of his uh, story and then I'm going to go back and tell another story that happened at the same time while he was in the hospital and this is another person connected to this family. And so, to to make a long story short, He got out of the hospital, and he lived another three months, and then he died. Now, some would say, well, your holy invasion didn't work. That was a failure. But you know what the family told me? They said, we are so thankful because you gave us another three months with our dad. I said, you know what? I didn't give you another three months with your dad. The Lord did. He was the one that gave you another three months. And so we we always gave glory to the Lord for the great things the Lord had done, but while her father was in the hospital, uh, his daughter also had a daughter that needed was in needed prayer. And when I was in the waiting room one day, Jackie said to me, Gail, uh, I, I said, is there anything anyone needs? Now, the, at this time, in this waiting room, uh, I was out of state at the time. In this waiting room, there was a lot of people present. And... Uh, I said, is there a need? And Jackie said, yes, I want you to pray for my daughter, Amber. And so Amber, of course, is not her real name. So she goes, Amber, sit in front of him. And so she sat down by me. And she didn't look like anything was wrong with her and so I put my hands on her shoulders as she sat by my knees, and I was talking to the family and praying at the same time. That just shows you how God moves. I got used to being a conduit, right? So as my hands are on this young lady, she begins to shake, and she exclaims, there's this heat, heat, heat. I feel such a burning heat in my chest, and there's this like a ball of fire moving up and down my body, and she began to shake and kind of scream a little bit in the All of a sudden I went oh my god I didn't know what to do do I take my hands off her quit praying because there's all of a sudden now there's not only a holy invasion going on there's a big commotion going on at the same time you know and uh, this went on for about 20 minutes the searing heat and the shaking and then her mom said oh my god look at her hands and I said well was there something wrong with her hands she goes yes Her hands have been cold as a corpse for years because she has Renault's disease. And her hands at that time were like really, really warm, really, really hot. Then um, she said, uh, take off her shoes. And I went, "Uh, is there something wrong with her feet? She said, yeah, her feet are black because she has no circulation in her feet. They took off her shoes and her feet were as pink as a baby's butt. Man, her feet were pink and warm. She goes, oh my goodness. And I want to share with you for the next two hours, this young lady could not move. We had to lay her on a bench in the waiting room. This was on a Saturday. We had to lay her there because the presence of God had so overwhelmed her that she couldn't move. All she could do is move her eyes and talk to me. And, And I want to share with you the results of this whole invasion is that she was healed from lupus and she was healed from Renault's disease instantly through a holy invasion, and I know I can't do that. Glory be to Jesus. And then I began to instantly um become a part of that family because of the miracle that happened. But that set in motion uh uh two years of people calling from uh two to three miles away wanting healing prayer because of the one incident where a holy invasion took place. And so I want you to be encouraged that, number one, I didn't know a holy invasion was going to take place. And number two, I wasn't praying what I felt was some powerful prayer. God just showed up because he had someone who was willing to be a conduit through which his uh, power could flow. And then I had another experience with an intensive care ward with a gentleman. I'll call him um, Jack, who was dying a strep pneumonia of the blood gentleman was not a believer, not a Christian, and when I came in, I was told that he was going to die to go up to help the family to grieve, through the, to get ready for, for uh, Jack to die, and so when I went up to the intensive care ward, the whole family was fighting, and I went in the intensive care ward, I said to the nurses, you know, I would, as a pastor, I would like to bring all these people into the ward, I would like to have special prayer for him. And uh, they said, well, it isn't going to hurt. He's going to die anyways. His kidneys and all that are all shut down already. So I went out to the waiting room, and I said, how many of you have two hands? And they all raised up their hands. And I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to quit fighting, and we're going to go in, and we're going to say a prayer around the bedside of of Jack, who is dying. And I said, you're all going to lay hands on him, and we're all going to pray. So we went in the waiting room, we shut. The, we went into the intensive care ward, we got 15 people around the bed, and we closed the doors. A little unconventional, because we had believers and non-believers alike laying hands on Jack. So we laid hands, and I anointed Jack with oil and prayed it. And I just said a simple prayer. I said, Lord, We call upon your name for healing. We just ask that you send the angels into the room to minister to Jack at this time. And we prayed, and we laid hands. There was no visible sign anything happened or that a holy invasion had took place. Jack did not stir, he did not move. Jack was unconscious. That was about uh, 9 o'clock at night that that prayer took place. I was told later that about uh, midnight, Jack's kidneys came online, his liver started working again, and the strep pneumonia began to miraculously leave the blood. And the nurses told me later, I don't know, but we know it wasn't us. We knew we know something happened in that room. And so a week later, I went down there, and uh, no, it was about three days later I went in, and uh, Jack was on the ventilator, and he motioned to me because Jack was now awake. And I told Jack that I had prayed, we had prayed around him that God would visit him with his holy angels and heal him. And Jack uh, motioned for my ink pen and wrote on a piece of paper, when I get this tube out of my mouth, let me tell you about angels. And so uh, that afternoon he got his tube on, out of his mouth, and I, and I went back in and listened to his story. He said, when you prayed for me, um, he said, three angels stepped into the room. One stepped up and said, uh, my name is Hope. The other one said, your mission on earth isn't done. The other one said, quit drinking, quit smoking, straighten up and fly right. And I thought, what a hip angel. <laughs> that God, God is awesome. You see, when we I was praying, it was by faith. And little did I know that without feeling, a holy invasion was taking place without even knowing it. You know, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, it's got a kind of got a sad story because Jack that day did accept the Lord. But he went back to his old ways. I tell you these stories so that you might be encouraged. I want to say this, that if God can use me, he can use you in a miraculous way too. Because I'm no different than you. I'm just a young man that grew up in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by cornfields, with a lot of insecurity and a lot of weaknesses. And yet, when God wants to set the stage for a holy invasion, he chooses those types of people because he knows they will give him all the glory. Now let's talk about setting a stage for a holy invasion. What do we need to do to see that happen in our lives and also that there would be a holy invasion wherever we go? Just think about it for a minute. What would it be like that if you walked into a busy mall or a busy city, and everywhere you went, people were being healed, people are being transformed by the power of God. You know, if more believers would carry that type of anointing, we would see literal miracles happen everywhere we go. But I think many times that we're just not sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to the things of God the way we should be. One of the first things I think is necessary for setting the stage for a holy invasion, if you want to see that happen all around you and everywhere you go in the ministry that you have, it doesn't matter doesn't matter what that ministry was or is. I mean, you might be like Stephen who was put in charge over the widow, widow's ministry in the book of Acts, where he went out and waited on tables, and fed the orphans and the widows. But the thing is, he just didn't have a widow's ministry. He had a miracle ministry, because everywhere he went, people were healed, people were saved, miracles happened, there was a holy invasion. And so that's, I just want to say there's some things that we can do to set the stage for this. And the first thing I think we can do is really begin to seek God for a holy invasion in our own soul and in our own life. I think when we experience things, it's much easier for us to share those things with others out of our own experience. And what I would do if I were you and what I would encourage you to do is to get into the presence of God and really begin to seek Him for the holy invasion in your life. Begin to press into Him like the disciples did on the day of Pentecost. Just begin to wait. Just begin to tarry. Just begin to fast and pray and begin to seek God that your own soul would be flooded with His glory in His presence. You know, I've heard preachers preach over and over and over. Everything you need is in the glory. Well, what I need is the glory to be in me, to flood my soul, and to set me free. So that will be my prayer for you. And honestly, that's what I believe is the very first step. Second thing I believe is very important is that you don't have to be perfect. When God qualifies you, who can disqualify you? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26-31 says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were noble of birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things of the world and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us our wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, Often what God does is he chooses somebody nobody else would have chose. And he redeems them. He heals them. He sets them free. He raises them up. And then he uses them mightily for his kingdom. Why does he do this? He does this so that he can get 100% all the glory. And you know what? God deserves all glory, honor, and praise. And when I was thinking this about this so many times we qual- we disqualify ourselves because we think of all the reasons that we would never be used by God or why God would never use us well you know a lot of times those thoughts those reasonings those are not coming from the Lord Those suggestions are coming straight out of the pit of hell and you need to command them to take a hike and to leave you. You know, when I was thinking about this second point about you don't have to be perfect, the Lord led me to Numbers 22 verse 30 where Balaam is riding his donkey and he's on the way to curse Israel. Well, in the middle of this, he has to go through this narrow passage, and God and the donkey sees an angel standing in the road with a sword drawn, ready to kill Balaam. So the donkey stops, and he won't move anywhere, and Balaam begins to beat the donkey. And you know what? God gave that donkey the power of speech. And he spoke and he said, why are you beating me? What did I do to you? There's an angel in the road with a sword drawn ready to kill us if we go any further. And so, you know, what I get out of that is this. It's real simple. If God can use a donkey, he can use me. Now, that's my sense of humor. But God chose that day to use the donkey. Throughout the Bible, throughout the scriptures, you read about people that god chose that we wouldn't have chose got when god chose gideon he called him a mighty man of valor and gideon was like hey man i'm from the least of the tribe the smallest of the smallest why are you choosing me and yet god called him a mighty man of valor and god chose him in gideon and again in judges uh, there was a woman named Deborah when no one else would lead the army down into battle. was a lady named Deborah, even the a man called Barak who was who was supposed to lead the army into battle, he wouldn't do it. And he said, "Deborah, I'm not going down unless you lead the army." And you know what Deborah did? She got up on her horse, she put on her armor, she put her sword in her side, and she led the army down into victory. So Don't think that just because of your weakness or don't think that just because uh, you've had some shortcomings that God cannot use you. The third point I want to talk about is this. Expect Jesus and his angels to show up. Expect his glory and his presence to be felt in a tangible way. I really believe we need to put a demand on the anointing. You need to expect that you're going to feel the presence of Christ and that you're really going to see him move. You know, one of the scriptures I really love and is found in Isaiah 63, 9, which says, In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy he redeemed them, and he lifted them up, and he carried them all the days of old. And I'm sure that God has more than one angel of his presence hanging around. And I've often said to the Lord... Lord, if you have more than one, could I have a couple of those angels with me? You know, we don't focus on angels. We focused on Christ. But you know something? If he's got angels that are just waiting to help us when we're out ministering, well, by all means, I want all the angels at my side that I can get. You know, when you read about Peter in Acts chapter 5, walking through the crowd, and everyone's being healed when his shadow touches them, if you could see into the spirit realm that day you would see angels you would see you would see a lot of stuff that's going on That you and I don't even know what's going on but there is a battle going on and God is working in our behalf so hey you don't have to be perfect you just got to be willing the fourth thing I'd like to say is relax don't get too uptight about it surrender and I think the biggest thing that we need to do sometimes is give up our agenda. Many times, we have our agenda, we have our thoughts, and what we think a holy invasion is going to like, look like. We have our preconceived ideas and notions. You know, it's interesting when Jesus went, before he ascended into heaven, he tells the disciples, he said, Now, what I want you to do is I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait until you have received power from on high. Now, that's all he told them. He didn't tell them how long they were going to wait. He didn't tell them how they would know when they would receive the promise. He didn't tell them any of that. You know, there was over 500 people that should have been in the upper room that day But by the time Pentecost happened, there was only 120 people in that room. And you know what? I imagine the conversation as they were praying and fasting and seeking the face of God in the upper room. I imagine Peter saying to John, I wonder what this promise of the Father is going to look like. How are we going to know? Hey, man, we've been waiting for over nine days and nothing. Now, the Bible doesn't record that that conversation went on but I'll bet they had some talks around that, because after nine days, and Jesus had been gone, nine days, he had ascended in heaven. What is this promise? What is it going to look like? How do we know when we've received it? But then in the day of Pentecost, what it looked like was cloven tongues of fire that came to rest on each one of their head, a mighty rushing wind, and, you know, there was many other signs and wonders that take place, and, you know, Sometimes we have a preconceived notion of what we think a holy invasion is going to be like by what we've experienced in the past. I don't want what I've had in the past. I want something better. I want something more intense. I want a greater level and degree of anointing. So what we need to do is just relax and don't put any preconceived ideas or notions on the Lord just relax. Then the fifth thing we need to do is just believe. Mark sixteen fifteen through 18 said, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all the creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall accompany those who believe. Everybody say, Those who believe that you and I, just ordinary people doing extraordinary things, in my name they will drive out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they will drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Now, I know at times people take this scripture to the extreme, but I just want to say, hey, you know what? Snakes to me uh, just remind me of the demonic realm and the power of the enemy. And the poison at times reminds me of the things that happen around us that if we believe them and drink in the words of other people, they become like poison into our system. And God gives us a promise for those of you who believe you will see miracles, You will see healings. You will see salvations and signs and wonders. And all you got to do is believe. You know, the Lord makes it so simple. And yet you and I make it so, uh, we make it so much more difficult than we need to. Um, Then number six, I would say, just be a conduit. Just let the power of God flow to you, in you, and through you. You know, that's easier said than done, because one of the hardest things at times is to just let it happen, to just plug in and just let it flow. And I want to say is this, you know, when I was a pastor, I met a lot of people that would come forward for the altar for prayer, and as you would come up to pray for them, they would be just, oh, they would be praying so hard to receive from God, and I would come up to them and say, shh, just be quiet. Don't pray, just stand and receive. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to stand and receive and just be a conduit. I remember when I would work in the hospital as a hospital chaplain, you know, when I was a pastor I prayed for head colds and sneezes and sniffles. But when I worked in the hospital I prayed for cancer, I prayed for AIDS, broken bodies, stroke victims, you name it, I prayed for it one day. I was feeling kind of under a lot of pressure because, God, I've never prayed for such dramatic things in my entire life, and I'll never forget what the Holy Spirit told me. You don't have to worry about the results. Just be a conduit. You just place your hands on people, and my power will flow to you, in you, and through you, and the results will be up to me. Don't worry about results. You pray, leave, give me the glory, point people to me and leave. And you know what? God just wants you to be a conduit for a holy invasion. Number one, he wants you just to be open to receive it. Number two, he just wants you to be open that if he wants to pour his power through you to another person, you can receive it. So the sixth thing I would say is just realize that you're a conduit. There is no pressure on you or me. All the pressure is on God. To experience the holy invasion, number seven, I believe you just, we just need to believe in all Jesus came to do and to bring. You know, I want to share this with you. I meet a lot of Christians and a lot of believers and many of them have a hard time in believing that they can see the things and experience the things that Jesus experienced or what the apostles experienced. Many of them, there's so much doubt and unbelief in the world today, and the Lord wants to bring, bring you back to a new level of faith. It says in John fourteen twelve to 14 Verily I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things in these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now let me share with you what I think makes this scripture so powerful. When you read and you uh, think about the life of Jesus, he only did what he saw the Father doing. And if you want to see a holy invasion, and if you want to see miracles, ask the Father what he is doing. When you know and when he speaks to you about his plan and what he does and what he wants you to do, then all you got to do is broadcast that and declare that and step out and do whatever he shows you, and it will be done for you because it's his will, because that's what he's up to. And a lot of people don't realize it's that simple. You know, like the lame man at the pool who couldn't get in. Jesus walked up, heals one man, and leaves. Now, what's interesting is that pool was surrounded by many people. Jesus didn't heal everybody. He only healed one person. The same thing with Lazarus when he was dead and in the tomb. Jesus walked up. He said, Lazarus, come out. Good thing he didn't say everybody come out because there was a lot more a lot more other people that were dead, buried, and in the tomb beside Lazarus. And so, you know, Jesus showed us how to minister, how to have faith, how to see miracles, and how to see a holy invasion. And then he says that you and I would do even greater things than these. Sometimes I begin to marvel and think about the fact that I have not obtained and lived up to all that God has for me. It's not that I have to live up to it. It's that I just need to believe him and tap in and step out in faith. You know, a lot of times faith means I don't have all the answers. The Lord shows me what he wants me to do and how he might only show me part of it. And I'll get the rest of it when I step out and start doing it. So the part of the thing about seeing a holy invasion in you and around you is just believing the things that Jesus came to do and bring. I think number eight, the other thing is fill up with him on a daily basis and plug into his presence because he is the source of life. You know, before Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they lived with a direct contact with God. They walked with God. They operated out of revelation knowledge. I mean, it was incredible, the presence and the power. They experienced a holy invasion every moment of the day. But when sin entered in the aid of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, they thought they were going to get divine revelation and knowledge like God did, but what they got was fallen knowledge, and then it was all about trying to be gooder and trying to be better, and sin entered the world, and they unplugged from the presence and the glory of God, then they plugged into the tree of knowledge, and That's why God sent Jesus to take the sins of the world away to make it possible for us once again to go plug into the source of life and to operate out of that same type of revelation knowledge that Adam and Eve uh, operated out of. But instead, what do we do? We plug into the tree of knowledge. We're trying to live better and do gooder and we're working and we're striving and none of it is working. And the Lord wants you just to plug into his presence and to allow his revelation and anointing and power to flow to you, in you, and then through you to others. And you know what you're going to be amazed? You're going to be amazed at what you learn, what you experience, what you feel, what you hear. It'll literally be incredible. So plug into him on a daily basis. He is the source of life. Spend time in his presence. Just allow him to fill you up. You know, I've seen this happen with people when they invite Jesus to come and he's there and they're feeling their pain leave. I'll just say to them, stay there with Jesus. Stay in that presence to every pain and every memory is gone and healed. And I would say to you, stay plugged into that presence to every fiber of your being is saturated with his holy presence. Number nine. And this is going to be just like another one of the ones I mentioned earlier, but just a little different. Number nine, look for him to show up. You know, I look for signs that Jesus is working, Jesus is moving, Jesus is ministering. When we're working with people and all of a sudden somebody begins to weep and cry and I know that the presence of God is in the room because the atmosphere is filled with his tangible presence of peace. I will stop because I realize the master is at work and I will let those tears flow. You know, look for him. Expect. It. man you know you gotta be eager for it expect it to happen god so much wants to minister he wants you to be looking for him you know what god wants us to be looking for him everywhere we go you know when i'm in a mall or when i'm in a crowd i'm looking for jesus i expect the holy invasions you know what i want to say i want you to say this Expect the unexpected. That's right. Expect the unexpected. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost came and suddenly there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind from heaven. You know, expect the suddenlies to happen. But when you're in the midst of a suddenly, look around to see what God is up to. And then what you want to do is to join in with what God is doing. Number ten, set out in faith, not set out, step out in faith and minister and use the measure of faith you already have and more will be given to you. Keep ministering even if you don't see results. And one of these things about the measure of faith I want to say is this, don't compare yourself with another person when it comes to a holy invasion. Don't do it. God hasn't made you to be like me or any other person. You are a unique individual vessel. When you measure yourself by another person, the Bible says that is not a wise thing to do. Step out in faith, expect God to move in and through you in a unique way. The Bible says in Romans 12:3, "For I say that through grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I remember hearing the story of John Wimber, who the Lord told him to start praying for healing for the sick. Well, he started to pray for healing of the sick, and he lost half his church before he saw one healing. And sometimes God requires us To use the faith that we have. And don't think that when you start praying you that you're going to feel successful right away. Keep ministering. Keep flowing. Keep flowing in the Holy Spirit. God will use you and you will see the results. It will be just a matter of time. Now I know that some of these themes are repeating. But I think sometimes like my psychology professor shared with me in Bible college that it takes time to wear a groove in your brain. You need to hear some of this stuff over and over and over before, um, before it really sinks and begins to sink in. Number 11 for setting a holy invasion would be expect him to flow through you to others and then flow with him. Now you know so many times we don't expect he will do it. And that expectation is so critical in seeing God minister in a very dynamic way. And then number 12, look to see what the Spirit is doing and obey. I just wouldn't say look to see. I would say listen to hear and sense to feel. You know, oftentimes when I am ministering in different settings, I will see a snapshot of something that God wants me to do. Now, the troubling part with a snapshot is there's not a whole lot of feeling behind it, and sometimes the voice of God, when it comes to you, is very quiet. And many times, I believe, we miss the holy invasions for one simple reason, is that we're just not sensitive enough to the voice of God. You know, after Elijah had defe- defeated the 450 prophets of Baal, he ran to the mountain to seek the Lord, and he was run. really, he was running from Jezebel because he was afraid of her. And he went there to hear the voice of God. And the Bible says that the thunder rolled, and the lightning, cra- and the lightning came down, and the-, and the wind blew, and the rocks split, and guess what? God's voice was not in any of it. God's voice was found in the whisper of the wind. And often, I believe, we miss those real critical moments because God is whispering to us and not shouting. He wants us to be so sensitive that if he whispers to us, we hear it and then we step out in faith. The other problem with a snapshot is Well, God only shows you part of what he's going to do, and then sometimes the things that you see seem ridiculous to you, or you might think they seem so simple. Why doesn't everybody know that? And yet God is saying, I am showing you something. If you will just step out in it, you will see awesome results. And you know, I remember one time seeing a young lady being prayed over at the altar for healing in her neck. And she wasn't being healed. And I was watching this whole scene go down in front of me. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me "Go that she had a person that she was very bitter toward. If she would forgive that person, then God would immediately and instantly heal her neck. And I said, Lord, that's ridiculous. I'm not going up and saying that. I have no reason to believe that that's the case in this person's life. And you know, this really comes into a factor. We have to trust what God shows us. So when I went up to her and I said, I'll say Janet, that's not a real name. I said, Janet, as you stood here at the altar, I said, the Lord showed me something. And she said, what did he show you? I said, the Lord showed me that Uh, you have someone that you're very bitter at in your life, and if you will just uh, forgive that person right now as an act of your will, I'll pray for you, and God said he's going to heal you right instantly. I said, is this going on in your life? Because you know it's possible, we can miss it, you know, and she said, yes, it is, and so I said, are you willing to forgive, and she said, yes, so I had prayer with her, and God healed her instantly, now I want to say something about flowing with the Lord and the Holy Spirit and if you feel God is showing you about something about someone, remember it's always about edification, exhortation and comfort. And God would never bring stress or anxiety on another person nor would he go outside of the boundaries of his own word. So therefore if you think that you've heard something from the God for somebody else, the best thing for you to do sometimes is to put it in the form of a question and don't come across soupy, super spooky spiritual like what I could have said to her was, as I prayed for you, uh, something came to my heart. Do you Are you struggling with unforgiveness towards somebody? You know, if you put it in a question like that, and then you miss it, it's okay. It doesn't come across wrong. So think about that. You know, God wants to do a holy invasion. He wants us to be able to see his awesome works. But we really got to trust his voice. You know, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and another they will not follow. So the key is this. You got to be able to hear the voice of God. Discern the voice of God. Know if He wants you just to pray about what you're hearing or if He wants you to step out and act on what you're hearing. And if He wants you to step out, how does He want you to step out and how does He want you to say it? Because the biggest thing that we can do sometimes is to rush into a situation and to go up to somebody right away and blurt out what we hear. And sometimes a message. Uh, Delivered in the wrong way can stop it from being received. So look to see what the Holy Spirit is doing. Sense to feel, listen to hear. Many times, when it comes to the sense to feel, I will be around somebody at times and all of a sudden, I will feel the presence of the Lord like tingling coming up my legs and my feet. and It seems like my whole body is filled with that peace, that tangible atmosphere of heaven. When I feel that, when I'm around people, I know that God wants to do something. Then I stand there listening and I I just kind of stand there for a moment in quietness to try to discern what he wants to do when he wants to do it, and how he wants to do it. And those things are great big keys in seeing a holy invasion take place. But you know, number 13, the 13th key is really important. Don't go on feelings. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. So guess what? If I were to only step out when I felt like it or if I felt safe enough, I would never step out and I would never do the things that God is wanting me to do. And you know, sometimes and so many times, I feel like I'm on a limb with Jesus and I'm afraid that that limb is going to be break, break, and we're both going to be made food of. I remember one time we were praying in a circle over people, and I've always been told, if you're going to give somebody a word from the Lord, and you know them, try to ask God to show you something about that person that you don't know, and then go with that. Well, that's a part of faith, too, and you really got to trust God. And I remember we were coming around, praying through a group of people, my wife and kids were, and, there was a lady at the table that I knew, and I knew her really well. So I'm saying, Lord, what is it about her that I don't know? And the Lord really spoke really cleared in my heart and said, I have called her to write a children's book, and nobody knows it. And I want her to get that book out. I said, oh, I'm not saying that. I don't know whether you've called her to write a children's book. I've known her for years. I don't know her as a writer, so everything in the natural would go against what I was hearing from the Lord. So I came to her, and I said, uh, I'll call her um, Amber. I said, Amber, I said, as I prayed for you, what I got from the Lord is that he's calling you to write a children's book, and yet nobody knows about it, and he wants you to get that book out you know, you know what, she put her head down on the table, she goes, I can't believe, I've not told anyone, I've been writing this book, you are absolutely right, boy was I glad I stepped out in faith that day, because I could have totally really missed it, you know, so don't go on how your feelings, you know, sometimes the most simplest word can bring the greatest results and can cause a holy invasion. Sometimes the key to seeing a holy invasion is a word from the throne of heaven. You know one word in your today will get you into your tomorrow. One word from heaven will set you free in unbelievable ways. Number 14, the 14th key in seeing a holy invasion in you and around you is that we really need to leave all the results up to Jesus. Don't worry about results. I remember one time years ago I was praying for somebody and I just came by the bed and I prayed a very simple prayer, more like, Lord, I pray that you would help so-and-so. Touch and heal them today in Jesus' name, amen. And I left the room. Well, two months later, that person, I ran into that person in town, and they said, hey, guess what? I said, what? They said, after you prayed for me that day, all my results came back absolutely perfect. God absolutely healed me, and I didn't have to have the procedure they thought I was going to have and I was like, wow, I was overwhelmed, because what I did is I prayed, and I left the room. You know, you've got to leave the results to Jesus, and I remember one time years ago, praying for a young man with a brain tumor years ago, and um, in the middle of the prayer, the young man felt all of the pressure in his head leave. He was scheduled for surgery the next day, and uh, when I came into the hospital three days later to see him after I had prayed with him at his house. Um, he didn't look like a man that had had surgery, and I said, what's going on? He said, well, it's quite amazing. Uh, they had my, my uh, brain tumor on the scan the day before, and when they went in, the tumor was gone, and the surgeon said, uh, what happened? between the other day and today and he said I told the surgeon he said I told him I got prayer and the surgeon threw up his hand and said well that'll do it and this leads me right into my next point so he looked at me and he said are you a healer I said absolutely not Jesus is the healer give all the glory to him And I really believe a holy invasion is one of the most valuable things you can see. It's the precious commodity of heaven. It's like awesome, right? So you got to really be like Jesus. When he walked the earth and he healed people, he told them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Peter and John walked the earth and they went out and they did signs and wonders and miracles and people wanted to put them on a pedestal and and they wanted to treat them like a god Peter and James and John always gave glory to the Lord and told them it was Jesus whom they crucified who caused the lame to the lame to walk the blind to see and the deaf to hear and so uh the 15th key in seeing um A holy invasion is we must always give the glory to Jesus Christ. Always tell people. And you know what? If the person you prayed for isn't a believer, then make sure they come to know the Lord. Make sure you tell them that the one who healed them was Jesus. I remember one person once said to me, I don't believe that Jesus is real. But the person said, my back hurts. You can pray for me. And when I touched their back to pray for them, the young man almost fell to the ground. And he goes, what was that? I said, that was Jesus. He said, I believe. I want your Jesus. So he prayed to receive Jesus Christ into his heart as his Lord and Savior. And then once, just one other story here. When I was on the train to 9-11, I was going two weeks afterwards to 9-11. I met a man who was having a very hard time struggling with unforgiveness, he was really uh, bitter and angry to anybody that was from against anybody from another country. And he said, I see that you are a pastor, and I'm really angry, and I'm really bitter. And So I talked to him about forgiveness and what Jesus could do for him. And honestly, the guy was not a Christian, but I got him to the point, and the Holy Spirit got him to the point where he was willing To give all his anger to Jesus. And he said I will know if this is real. If I sleep more than two hours tonight. The next morning he said to me I want to tell you something. He said I slept all night. He said I slept eight hours. He said I want this Jesus you speak of. And right there on the train in front of all the people. He accepted Jesus Christ into his heart. And we experienced a holy invasion. Because everyone gathered around the table and wanted to listen. But the sixteenth point is just as important as every other point in this uh, in this outline. Is this never give up, never give up, never say never, never quit trying, never quit believing, never quit stepping out. Because you know what, you're gonna make mistakes. Maybe that should be number seventeen. You're gonna make mistakes. You know, in the School of the Supernatural over here in Michigan, you don't get to pass from that school unless you make at least three mistakes. Because if you're not making any mistakes, you're really not stepping out. You're really not trying. Because none of us are perfect. And so, in a minute, I'm going to have a prayer for you. Uh, that you might experience the holy invasion right now where you're at but that also God would put an anointing on you that wherever you would go you would experience a holy invasion so I just want you to know know and be confident today that God wants to use you now I'd really like to pray for you for a holy invasion so get in a quiet place where there's no distractions maybe it's in your car as you're listening to this going down the road or Maybe you're in your living room or in your bedroom. I don't know where you're at right now, but just turn off your cell phone. Turn off the TV. Get rid of every distraction that might be going on around you. If you're driving your car, I don't suggest you to close your eyes. But just get in a nice, quiet place, however you get comfortable. Maybe it's laying on the floor. Maybe it's with your hands raised toward heaven maybe it's sitting in a chair. However you do it right now, get in that quiet place and just quiet yourself before the Lord. Now, I just want you to get in a receiving mode. Don't pray. If you're a Pentecostal person, don't pray in tongues. Just be quiet and receive. You're the conduit now. I'm going to pray for you. And you know what? Jesus is going to touch you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person that's under the sound of my voice right now. And Lord, I just expect that you and the angel of your presence now to show up in their room in a tangible way. I pray right now for the people that are listening to this CD that they would begin to experience a tangible atmosphere of heaven. I pray the place where they're in right now would be filled with the glory of God. I just pray the room full of angels, full of your presence, full of your anointing, Lord. I pray that they would experience a holy invasion down deep in the depths of their soul. I just pray right now that everything that would be wanting to stand in the way of this would be bound in the name and the blood of Jesus. I come against every demonic force that would want to interfere right now. And I bind you and I set you aside in the name of Jesus. And I speak peace to those that are listening today. Father, I ask that you would touch them, mind, body, and spirit. I pray that every fiber of their being would be saturated with the presence in the glory of heaven. I pray that it would be like liquid honey poured right over the top of their head, going down from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. So, Father, I pray that you would saturate them and speak to them and minister to them right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I also pray that wherever they go, they would experience a holy invasion. Make them sensitive to the voice of God. Lord, I pray that they would be able to hear you so clearly. Know how to deliver the message that you want them to deliver. Know when to deliver it. Know what to do it. How to do it. Give them wisdom, God, in the name of Jesus. I also pray that you would increase their faith and even help them in areas where they may feel they doubt or have unbelief. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your presence now to flow from the throne. And I pray that that presence would fill them up and go with them. Lord, put a holy invasion anointing on them. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now have faith and step out and expect God to do great things.